You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping and two free gifts when you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit with promo code GATORS. Head over to manscaped.com and purchase yours today. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me on this episode is co-host Will Miles, and you can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his site, readandreaction.com. Will, man, how you holding up? (laughs) I'm ready for bed, man. It's uh, Usually we're doing this stuff late at night, and I'm ready for bed, but... uh, run a little bit of night shift to get the social distancing that we need at work. And uh, so it was a little bit of a rough night. First night I've been doing it, but uh, we'll get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, same here. I've worked till about nine 30 last night. Uh, you, you were a complete night shift. You were, you were uh, in the AM hours of, uh, of working for your job, but I was out uh, for social distancing. Uh, uh, yeah, I was uh playing teacher in the morning time and then hit uh, hit Channel 4 Studios about 4 o'clock in the afternoon and then to get out of the building so not around anybody uh, went and filmed some time lapses and actually ran into a I believe his name was Kevin I was, I was kind of busy at the time I ran into a Gators break he saw my hat and uh, said he's listening to the podcast so uh, that was cool to see uh, and, and, and a cool event that, that happened there uh, just in the middle of San Marco in Jacksonville uh, shooting some time lapse video but uh, yeah trying to do all the social distancing uh i can yeah well it seems like if you're doing videography for a news organization it'd be difficult to get as much distance as you <laughs> might, as, as the cdc is calling for at least there weren't a whole lot of people in my lab this morning so it was uh it was a safer place to be i'm betting but uh anyway we'll, we'll get through it obviously it's it's not ideal but uh you know got to give people some content Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, con- speaking of content, this episode we have a conversation with Nick Elsnest, uh, the new tight end commit for the Gators from Episcopal School in Jacksonville. I sat down with him uh, earlier this week, and uh, you know we got to you know, ask him about uh, his recruitment process and, and the coaching staff and all that good stuff there. So uh, that conversation is coming up. Uh, also, Will and I will dive into where recruiting stands uh, at the moment as we head into. April and this kind of we you know unprecedented time that we're dealing with uh, in the recruiting world and the college football world and we'll uh, quickly hit on Will's latest article where he lays out why Florida may not miss last year's group of senior wide receivers as much as we think. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there uh, as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators and all of Jacksonville sports and uh you know if you missed uh, earlier this spring if you want to go back for some more content uh there we had uh, of course uh, offense and defensive 
question and answer preview, and of course, uh, the most recent edition of the Gator panel, all at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown and your favorite podcast platform. Uh, without further ado, here's our conversation with Gators tight end commit Nick Elksness. Nick, thanks for joining Gators Breakdown. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's get started. Uh, of course, uh, previously committed to Penn State. Uh, what made you decommit from the Nittany Lions and uh, commit to Florida? How, how long did you know you wanted to be a Gator? Um, well, you know, I've been doing this whole recruiting process for a long time. been about a um, year and a half, two years, like getting heavily recruited now. And um, when I committed to Penn State, um, I really like their tight end coach. I still do. He's a great guy. He's a great person. You know, he's somebody that I definitely want to be coached under. He's um, He's got a lot of motivation. You know, he wants to be the best at his job. And so I really, I mean, I, I kind of attached to that quickly. You know, I had a good connection with him. He grew up in South Georgia. You know, we've got a, um, my dad and I go hunting in South Georgia. So we had that connection. And so I was kind of done with the whole recruiting process, and I thought that that was a good choice for me. And then about six months later, after all the shine of, you know, football season, going up to Happy Valley for the whiteout game and everything, after that all uh, faded away a little bit, I got to, got to thinking, got to looking at it. And, I mean, in his profession, coaches come and go by the week. You know, they, um, they're not there for very long. And I was making my decision based off of a single coach. It wasn't even the head coach. And I started looking at my options again, not in serious um, detail, but just, you know, looking at what there was. And, you know, Florida obviously was a huge one for me because it's right down the road. I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes from my front door to the uh, stadium. And I mean, I love Dan Mullen. He's a great dude, the new tight end coach. Um, that they have now, uh, Coach Brewster, he's phenomenal. I mean, if you look at his history, I mean, he knows what he's doing for sure with the tight ends. And then, I mean, as a school, um, academically, it's a great it's a great fit for me. Um, you know, they're the only school in the country that can play their top ten football and top ten academics. So, I mean, that was huge. And then when I saw that, I mean, it was kind of, it was obvious for me that I had that I need to uh, redecide and head over to Florida. You mentioned the uh, new tight end coach, uh, Tim Brewster. Of course, uh, tight end coach before Larry Scott left to take a head coaching job. What was your connection before Brewster came about and then since Brewster's been on campus at Florida? Um, well, I'll be honest, The who I've been recruited by most was uh, Coach Scott, um, Larry Scott, the old tight end coach. Um, and he really got the ball rolling. Um, I'm I met him at a junior day about two years ago, I think. And, I mean, we didn't really keep heavy contact. We got more and more involved in each other's lives, I guess. And then when it got to that September 1 date of this year, you know, he was just texting me. He was like, I know you're already committed, but he's like, one of the main things that you got to understand is you shouldn't feel sorry for the decision you make. He's like, if this is what you believe you need to do, you know, decommit or commit or any of this stuff um like you got to remember that the coaches are doing the exact same thing you know they're still looking at other players they aren't um 
you know, they don't feel sorry about it. So you shouldn't either, you know, this is your life and you got to um, remember that. So, I mean, he was just really nice because he gave me a lot of good insight. And I think when I got down there for the junior day this year, when I was driving back from Gainesville is when I found out that he took the head coaching job. So, I mean, he was, he wasn't even recruiting me that hard. He was just being a normal guy, a good person. Um, and just, I got to see really the kind of people that Florida wanted to bring onto their staff. That's good to hear. Good to hear. So you mentioned the junior day a couple of times and the, the, the last junior day Florida had, and that's when that, that weekend is the, is the weekend you committed. Uh, just talk, go back and, and take us to that weekend. And uh, I know you had your family with you all the way up to your grandparents up there in the swamp. Uh, how was that trip? And did you kind of already know going into that trip, that's when you wanted to commit or was there anything that happened that trip that kind of sealed the deal? Um, well, to be honest with you, I didn't know I was going to commit. I thought, it would be really cool if I did because my grandmother was going to be there. Her, so my great grandparents, her father and mother, they had, they were season ticket holders their whole lives. And my grandmother was a season ticket, season ticket holder her whole life. So, I mean, that would have been really cool. I, if my grandmother were to have a tattoo, it would definitely be a gator. <laughs> um, it would be the bull gator. Um, there's no doubt about it. But, um, it would have been really cool, but I, I, I honestly had no idea. And I got down there, and I was there was nothing really special about the uh, junior day. I just I got to sit down and talk with um, Coach Brewster one on one a lot, um, and I just really got to get a good feel for the kind of guy that he was and the kind of person that he is, not just as a football coach, but you know off the field. You know how he's going to help raise me as a young man because when I leave, he's on. Um, and when I leave my house, you know, he's going to pretty much be my parent. And, you know, hearing that he's, you know, a man of faith and everything and uh, and that he just wants to – he also wants to raise me to be not just a good football player but a good man, I, that, that really spoke volumes to me. And that's when I knew that uh, Florida was definitely where I should be going. All right, my co-host Will wasn't able to join us for this interview, but he did send a few questions uh, my way, and you kind of hit on this earlier, the whole recruiting process. He wants to know, you know, is there anything you wish fans knew about the recruiting process? Uh, come again? Would you, was there anything you wish fans knew about the recruiting process? Um, well, there's a couple things that I think it would be really uh, it'd be beneficial for fans to know because – you know, um, for me, I didn't really get it. I was surprised I didn't. Um, but, you know, um, I'm decently um, good friends with Mac Jones. And, you know, um, when Mac decommitted from Kentucky, fans were spewing all this hate and everything at him um, on social media, you know, saying all this junk about, you know, how he's a bad person and everything for decommitting from Kentucky. But, a lot of the times fans don't understand what's going on inside the actual staff room and everything. And they don't understand that sometimes it's, it's in your best interest. And I would, in my opinion, I think it would be nice if for some, if it was even possible for like on commitment posts and decommitment posts, if they could block off um, fans from commenting, just because <laughs> I think it, it adds a lot more pressure into the, um, athlete's mind 
than he than I mean than he already has. I mean, it's you're making your next decision on pretty much your life. I mean, where you're going to go to college, depending on. I mean, that probably is going to be the state where you end up. You know, in all likelihood, you're going to end up being around that area. So I mean, it's it's a huge commitment, and so just having that push from um, fans and everything that makes it more difficult. But I still I do enjoy it because. The fans also, they give you a lot of um, confidence and pride in your decision if they're for your team. You know, they, they're definitely hyping you up and everything. Um, so kind of a double-edged sword for me. I think it's great because you get to um, hear the excitement from the fans, but it's also it can be difficult if you've got to break the news and tell them, I'm not coming to your school because then they just start – throwing out haymakers without even knowing what they're talking about. You know, there could be something personal. It could be something with the staff. Um, and I, I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, let's get to know you a, a little bit. How would you describe the type of player and tight end uh, you are and what the Gators are getting? Um, well, I mean, for one, as a uh, tight end, I'm – I, last year I was a bit more of a pass catcher, which I mean I think is one of my specialties. But I believe that I'm an all-around tight end. You can put me in at the line. You can put my hand in the dirt. I'll block if I have to. I'll block a, uh, you know, I'll block a DN from Alabama. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and then I'll also go out on a cornerback and run a jump ball in the end zone. It doesn't really matter to me. I want to be, I want to be as involved in the uh, gameplay or game plan as possible. I want um, to make the biggest impact that I can. And I mean, that's really, that's the kind of player that I am. I don't want to be in the spotlight all the time, you know, because that's, that's the job tight ends have, you know, they've got to be um, blocking and stuff like that, but I want to be able to be the biggest impact player I can be on the field. And I'm also going to outwork every single person that I go up against. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're, 50 pounds heavier than I am and I've got a block then I'm still going to outwork him. And, um, but yeah, that's about it. I want to be, I want to be the player that makes the difference, you know, with a little seal off block on the uh, defensive end that breaks out a huge run or catching a uh, game winning touchdown in the end zone. I just want to be able to make the difference. Maybe like some Gator tight ends in the past, you get to catch a jump ball from a quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of connection here. Uh, Mark Burnell was your head coach at, at Episcopal, and I, I worked with Mark Burnell at News 4 Jacks. Uh, what's it like playing for him, uh, him being your head coach, a, a former NFL quarterback, all the knowledge he can bring uh, to the game of football, uh, and just in general of, of having you know, kind of a, a local celebrity, national celebrity in Jacksonville as your head coach? Well, I mean, before the whole celebrity thing, what you were saying, I was head on. That's my favorite part about um, – having coach Brunel as a coach is he brings so much insight and knowledge of the game. And I mean, for me, you know, it's not for everybody else and I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything, but for me, it's, you know, he's teaching me how to deal with the media. He's teaching me how to um, deal with kind of not on the level that he was dealing with it, but kind of the fame and everything that I'm going to be getting into. And so he's kind of helping mold me and, you know, take me down the right path. And then also, I mean, he was a quarterback, so obviously we're not running the same positions, but he's trying to show me as much as he can for a tight end so I can see, you know, two high safeties, you know, it's, that's cover two or cover four, you know, 
all these reads and everything that a quarterback would do so that I'm just that much more ahead. And then also, I mean, he brings on great people onto his staff. He had, uh, you know, Tony Baselli was our online coach for a little while. Kevin Hardy is now our, um, one of our defensive coaches. I mean, we've got, in my opinion, the best coaching staff in the state. So, I mean, they, they really know what they're doing and they pour all their time during football season into um, the team. And they, they do love us as their kids. I mean, they want, they want the best for us. And so I think they're, they're great people, but also, I mean, how you were talking about his um, fame and how he's a celebrity that, that all, that all gets tossed to the side when he uh, comes out on the field to coach for us. It's not, there's no, I'm Mark Brunel. I played for the Jaguars and everything. I led him to an, uh, the AFC championship game. You know, it's nothing like that. It's I'm Mark Brunel. I'm your head coach. Uh, let's go and talk about the Gators uh, for a second. And, and what about Dan Mullen's offense kind of piqued your interest and, and how do you see yourself? I mean, you kind of, talked about kind of the player you are, but how do you see yourself fitting in this Dan Mullen offense? Is it something similar you run in high school? How do you see yourself fitting in and what do you like about it? Um, Well, what I like about it the most, um, Coach Mullen and I sat down and had a lengthy conversation about like what his offensive mind is. And it's pretty much he looks at the defense that he's going up against that week and he goes and creates mismatches. So if that means getting me – one-on-one with somebody so the next play they draw over a linebacker and then it makes somebody else wide open it's kind of everything builds off of each other and there's not going to be one you know key player who keeps getting the ball over and over it's not going to be like their essential target that they're trying to get the ball to they're going to be everybody's going to be getting the ball because of how his offense is running how he's looking for the mismatches and he's looking to create the best opportunities each play and i think it's really it's a different way to look at it instead of just running against a defense. You know, he's actually running against make like the defense's weaknesses the whole time. I mean, he's not trying to uh, run plays against a certain defense. He's trying to pull the defense out of their comfort zone. And it's something that I find really, um, I, I think it's a really intelligent idea. But, I mean, I'm just a player. He's the coach, so I can't wait to see what he can do. Uh, being in Jacksonville, of course, it's hard to get away from what Florida's doing on the field. Have you kept up with what Mullen's done these first two years uh, under you know, 2018, 2019, and the, the fast success he's been able to bring to the Gators program? I mean, I have. Uh, this past year, obviously, I was paying more attention to Penn State. But, I mean, obviously, you know, the year Pitts had is, I mean – you could not see that. Um, but I mean, as a team goes, um, he, I mean, yeah, he, he's, uh, soared. I mean, he's gone with who I, with what I thought was going to be a hard team to, um, bring back in the time that he had to where they are now. I think that shows just what kind of, um, coach he is and how good of a coach he is. And then also now that he's getting the recruits that he wants, um, I think Florida is very close to being in the national championship. And that leads me to my next question. Uh, my co-host Will sent this one in as well for you and looking 
looking ahead a little bit, what does success look like? Is it going to the NFL, winning a national championship, an SEC championship, becoming an All-American? I'm sure you'd love to accomplish all those things, but what would be uh, labeled as success in your mind? Um, I mean, obviously, on a personal level, I want to to reach the NFL. That's my goal. I'm going to work as hard as I can. Now, reality sets in, and that's very rare for people to go to the NFL. And so I'm going to go, and I'm going to make the best of my opportunity when I get to Florida. I'm going to be the best teammate I can be. I'm going to be the best leader I can be on the field, on the field and off the field. Um, And, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, take the team to a national championship or help take the team to a national championship. You know, I think that's something that would be really huge. I'd like to – win a Mackey award. I think that would be great. But at the end of the day, those are all really, I mean, those are all really hard things to do. So I just want to be the best leader I can be on the team. And I want to be known when I'm done at Florida as, you know, one of the most hardworking people that's come through. Let's get on the the recruiting side a little bit more here. And I'm sure this was brought up in some of the conversation you had with, with Brewster and Mullen you're recruited in this class, this 2021 class, with another tight end, Gage Wilcox. Uh, you know, labels the tight end uh, as well for for this class. Uh, how do you see yourselves working together? Uh, was that something that was brought up when uh, you, when you were visiting on your junior day? Um, yeah. Uh, when I was talking um, with Coach Brewster and Coach Mullen, it seemed like they wanted me to be more of the Kyle Pitts type tight end. You know, where you're flexed out more. You're running more routes. You're doing more of the passing game. And then I think Gage is going to be more of the blocking guy. I mean, he's still going to go out and catch passes. I'm still going to go and block on the line. I I think that's the beautiful thing about um, Gage and I playing together is that we're going to be able to complement each other really well, whether he's running routes or I'm running routes, whether he's blocking or I'm blocking. And um, so, yeah, I think – that's um that's what the coaches have said to us so far but i i can't wait i've known gage for a little while and i just can't wait to um work with him and um push each other i mean i think that's one of the biggest things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be pushing each other to be great and i can't wait so speaking of that uh, of course carlos del rio you have the quarterback in a class as well you have another fellow tight end in gage wilcox uh, you committed kind of early in the process. Do you guys, you know, especially you and your quarterback now that they're coming in in this class together, um, you know, committing early? Do you guys get together about going out and trying to recruit other players? And and how does that? Was it also an added benefit looking at Florida's current commit list that you saw Carlos Del Rio, a quarterback, already committed? Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's always on. Um, that's one of the big things that you know, the coach um, harps. You know, when you commit, he's like, you're part of the family now. Go out and help your family. You know, you got to you gotta help recruit. Um, and so I, I, I enjoy it. You know, I like being able to reach out, um, tell people, you know, what they're missing out if they're looking to go into another school, um, showing them why Florida is such a great option, not just on the field but off the field and what all it offers. Um, and then obviously, you know, where we are as a football team, I, I love doing the whole recruiting thing myself because I think it's um, fun to get to know people, whether you um, whether they come to Florida or not, because then you get to make connections all around the um, 
NCAA, and I think I think that's just so cool. But also, yeah, having a having a quarterback makes it a little bit nicer because then you get to know your quarterback, and whether you're thrown with them or not, you get to start building that connection. And then, of course, being in Jacksonville, I'm located in Jacksonville as well, and Florida's recruiting in the area fell down uh, for a little while. So being in Jacksonville, being committed to Florida, talking to Florida, do you see the Gators making more of a push in the area now than, than compared to in the past, especially in, in, in recent years? Um, I, I think that, I, I, that one's tough for me. I don't really know. I feel like they're always pushing hard. You know, good players are going to get recruited by good schools, and I think that's what Florida is. I think losing players from their uh, backyard pretty much is tough always, but um, I I still think that they're recruiting heavily. I just think some kids are being drawn to other schools um, for reasons out of Florida's control. You know, I'm – uh, recruiting might not always be the most fair. You know, there might be um, added benefits and stuff. I, I don't know. But Florida, um, I think they're still recruiting very heavy in the um, Jacksonville area. And I think there's still a lot of kids that um, may be committed now to other schools. But I think that they're all looking at Florida because what's not to like about Florida? You know, they're right there. They're right there getting to, you know, the SEC championship, winning that. They're right there to getting to a national championship. You know, they're about to have these brand-new facilities. It's a great school. So I think more and more kids are starting to look at that. Awesome. A few more questions here with tight end commit Nick Elsness. Nick, uh, Will, uh, co-host, sent this uh, question as well and wants to know, let's get to know you a little bit more. There is a student-athlete side to this, you know, not just not just a football player uh, for the Gators. So what are you going to what, – what's your plans and what's your what, what's going to be your major uh, when you uh, enroll in classes at, for Florida? Well, uh, I'm planning on doing something finance-related because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could branch off and do out of finance so um it's kind of wide open and then you can uh pare it down to be as narrow or as wide as you want so i like that and i'm also i feel like math is my strong suit so you know finance is a lot of math and stuff so i enjoy that and i think that's um that's the route that i'm pretty sure i'm gonna go and any hobbies outside of football um Video really. game, video games, working out. I'm not. I know working out's part of it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, working out's part of it. Uh, I like fishing. I like hunting. Uh, those are probably that's probably my biggest too. What's your big? What's your uh, biggest trophy moment in hunting? Um, has to be the uh, first deer I shot with my bow for sure. That was that was probably the most exciting. Um kind of in a different world right now with the way college athletics are going um how do you feel about the whole name and likeness part of of the, you know the debate should players be paid uh should they be paid for the likeness should you be able to use your image in any way you see fit do you keep up with that and, and what are your feelings towards it um i mean that's another that's another double-edged sword kind of question for me personally. Um, a lot of people look at the, um, 
look at it and they're just like, oh, you know, but, you know, they're getting so much money off of these kids. Um, you know, the schools are, but they're not getting the kids aren't getting any money. Well, I mean, that that's false. Kid, their kids are getting free education. They're getting free housing. You know, they're getting stipends. They're getting all their food free. They're getting all their um, clothing and like gear free. They're getting um, if they've got to go to the doctors, it's free. If, you know, if they're injured and they have to have a surgery, that's free. Everything for players is free. Now, at the same time, you know, if you're starting to sell a kid's jersey and they're not allowed to make any money off of it, I, I understand that. I understand where um, players are coming from with that. I wouldn't mind making a couple extra bucks, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not. I mean, it's it's not like you're gonna your name's gonna be so big that you're gonna be making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you're gonna be making just a little bit of extra spend around money. And these, I mean, college athletes already are getting money. Um, not like illegally. I mean, they're getting stipends. They're getting uh, money in all sorts of forms of stuff. I mean, I don't think that there's a reason for kids to be paid. All right, and we'll end with this. Of course, every, everything's different right now. Uh, the coronavirus going around. I'm sure the end of your junior season uh, and junior year of high school uh, has been, you know, upended. Uh, who, who knows what the, the future holds with that? So, what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Uh, and how are you holding up, you know, these last couple months, last few months of school? Uh, no physical form right now. We'll probably, we'll probably end up, you know, finishing the year in some kind of virtual form. But uh, how, how are you and your family dealing with the coronavirus and, uh, you know, these, these last couple, these, these next few couple months? Well, I mean, for me, I have two older sisters. One's graduated from college, and she was out doing her um, – her work and job is out up in the North Midwest. I mean, she's in um, Minnesota area, all sorts of stuff like that. And she had to come all the way home because of the coronavirus. And she's going to be home for the rest of the um, year or until like summer or something. And then my sister, who's um, a junior at Ole Miss, she's done. She's not going back to college. So I think, I mean, I'll probably end up, not be um not going back to school for the rest of the semester so it's that's unfortunate because now again or now both my sisters are back in town and that just creates more um havoc around the house i guess <laughs> but um I, I mean i don't know it's difficult for every family and um i i'll just be interested right i just can't wait until it's all done and over with you know i hope everybody stays healthy through this whole time but i mean it's it's difficult for sure i'm not i don't know how i'm going to handle um, the online school i can bear i mean school in general stuff and just this whole online stuff is going to be pretty difficult too but and then going to the um you know staying active and everything i've we've got a pretty big um driveway so you know, I'm having to use bricks and center blocks. We've got a couple of dumbbells that I'm using, and I'm just finding creative stuff to um, uh, to work out with. You know, I've got um, a pickup truck, and so I have a chain in uh, the bed of my pickup truck in case, you know, somebody gets stuck or I need to pull somebody. So I, was, <laughs> I put my truck in neutral, and I was pulling my truck around the driveway today. I mean, I didn't really have much else to do. 
Yeah, and possibly no no spring football either for a lot of the high schools around here. Oh, I know. And that, that's probably my least favorite thing because um, I like, you know, because I'm going to be a captain again this year. I was a captain last year. I want to be able to, you know, start setting that um, foundation for the team. And, you know, all the, all the returning players are going to want to do that. And we won't have that ability until who knows. We might not have half of summer uh, conditioning and stuff, um, depending on how all this goes. So, I mean, it's going to be difficult for sure um, on all sides of, I mean, academics, you know, football, all, all sports. Absolutely. Last thought here. Uh, don't know how much you followed Florida. We cut, we hit on that briefly uh, before you know you committed and everything. But uh, do you have a favorite Gator football moment? And you being in Jacksonville, of course, you had to follow Florida probably whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> and of course, uh, your family history with the Gators. But you have, do you have a, a Florida a favorite Florida Gator football moment? <clears throat> um. Hmm, that, that's tough, man. There's a lot of great moments. Um, obviously, I remember the um, I was in the stand with the Tebow jump pass. I was there for that. That was pretty awesome. Um, <clears throat> but I'll have to say, probably my favorite moment was I was at the um, the Auburn Florida game. You know, when um, P Ryan broke that oh. huge touchdown out wide. That was crazy because you know he get he gets open for a couple of yards. The crowd starts yelling. Then he breaks it out even more and he's gone and you couldn't hear yourself. Think it was incredible. Yeah. I had an Auburn buddy with, with me in the stands. He says the loudest thing he's ever heard. So it's, uh, it was, it was definitely a good memory uh, for Gator nation. Hey, Nick, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us here on Gators breakdown. Of course, you know, me being from Jacksonville as well, having a local 904 kid uh, on Gators breakdown, uh, speaks, uh, speaks a lot to me. Uh, I'm happy to do it, but, uh, if there's anything out there, uh, you won't let, you want to let Gator nation know, uh, go right ahead. Um, I mean, yeah, pretty much what I was saying earlier about the kind of football player I am. Uh, I'm going to be the hardest working, most motivated kid that y'all will most likely have come through there. And I can't wait to um, help win a national championship. All right. And that's Gators tight end commit, Nick Elsness. Nick, thank you much. Yeah, absolutely. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. It's the perfect tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Nick free shaving thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. And of course, let's not forget about the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits, right? So why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? When you purchase the new Perfect Package 3.0 kit at Manscaped.com, you get the biggest bang for your buck. Subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the Patent High Performance Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. 
Get 20% off plus free shipping with code GATERS at manscaped.com. Create your account, get 20% off plus free shipping plus two free gifts with the code GATERS at manscaped.com. And Will, because of the, the crazy work schedules and the interview done over the weekend, uh, fortunately you weren't able to join in on, on the interview, but you did send some questions there. What, uh, what, what caught your ear about Nick? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I, that I thought was interesting was his conversation that he had with Mullen, where you know he was talking about Mullen designing the offense, not necessarily to take advantage of one particular player, but building off of being able to set up mismatches for the offensive player. And I think that's something that we've seen in particular. Um, we've seen that with Kyle Pitts over the last couple of years and, and last year, especially where he was a mismatch and they went to him when he was one on one. But the defense was able to take him away. And then that opened up things for guys like Van Jefferson, Trevon Grimes and, and Freddie Swain. So it'll be interesting to see what what Mullen can do with Uxness and also what he can do with the tight ends that he's building there with, you know, Pitts still there and obviously Zipper as well. Yeah, I think uh, you brought it up kind of, and Nick even said when he sat there and, and talked with the staff that he may be used more in that Kyle Pitts role uh, with his size uh, given there and his athleticism. So, you know, we'll see. You know, he'll improve himself hopefully this senior year. Hopefully there's a football season there and we get to see him play uh, his senior year of football. Uh, but, you know, being used like that and, and also – in. I did wonder, you know, Tim Brewster comes in, gets two tight end commits in about a month, a little over a month there. And, you know, I definitely wanted to ask him his thoughts on playing and being recruited with another tight end because not it's not often you see two tight ends recruited in, in the same class. And especially to me from afar, and I know he said maybe him more in the pits receiving role and Gage Wilcox in the blocking on the end of the line role. But I kind of see those guys interchangeable in the same role. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's probably a little bit too early to tell where where Mullen really wants to use yeah. it. Like you said, he's 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 six foot six, so he's not a small guy, and so that has been one of the hallmarks of Mullen thus far in his tenure at Florida is he's had a lot of really big guys on the outside at wide receiver, and he's brought in big guys at tight end as well. And when you look at a guy like Keon Zipper, he's a little bit smaller than Elksness is, so um, you know it does give you that little sort of the variation that maybe you're looking for. But uh, you know, I think the biggest thing I maybe take from it is that you know it's a kid from Jacksonville who wants to be a Gator who wants to stay close to home who recognizes the benefit of both the academic and the athletic um, education that he's going to get at Florida and then can act as a as a recruiting per you know as a as an extension of the recruiting staff and is willing to do that so um, you know I think it's a, a good pickup obviously and and you know I think it's an indication maybe that Brewster is is the recruiter we've been looking for that he can get two guys at the same position at his position to recruit and and uh, and convince them they're going to have enough playing time and that they're going to develop all right yeah so really good conversation there uh with nick uh thank him a lot for uh for hopping on here uh, on gators breakdown so with him you know, let's take a look at this uh, gators recruiting class and kind of where it stands going into april right now the gators ranked third in the 24 uh, 7 sports composite and second in rivals with 14 commits a few trends here will uh eight rank eight, eight of these uh commits rank in the top 300 with five of those basically in the top 200 uh eight of the commits are from the state of florida four from the state of georgia uh eight of the 14 are on the offensive side of the ball uh, and this comes after you know a defensive heavy class last cycle got the quarterback in the class with carlos del rio 
an all-purpose back here with Brashard Smith, two four-star wide receivers in Trevante Rucker, Dejon Reynolds, as we just mentioned, two tight ends, Gage Wilcox and Nick Elsness. Um, you, you know, early on with these 14, uh, an emphasis on offense so far. Uh, when also, you know, look, 14 commits, that, that's a lot uh, for the Gators right now. If you look at the top five um, teams, top five programs, on on 24-7 sports. Ohio State also has 14 commits. Clemson with 10 commits. Florida third, 14 commits. North Carolina, they ranked fourth with 11 commits. And Miami, 10 commits. Uh, you know, they round up the top five. All, there are the, those are the only programs right now that have double-digit uh, commits. Florida, you know, if you're chasing and you want to compare to Ohio State and Clemson uh, right now, Florida's average is at 90.62. The average for Ohio State and Clemson, Ohio State 95.09 and Clemson at 95.59. So, of course, you know, 14 commits for Florida, 14 for Ohio State. The top end a little bit higher for Ohio State. The bottom end a little bit higher for for, for Ohio State. That's probably the biggest difference is is their bottom end doesn't fall as deep as Florida's. Their their floor uh, is is higher uh, than Florida's right now. So, Will, great start, 14 commits. You know, everything will change. The more commits, it's going to be hard for this programs to stay around that 95 range that's kind of that that's the top end uh, of recruiting here but if programs that are like ohio state and clemson those are the programs uh that can do it i think florida's average will rise a, a bit as we get closer to national signing day if recruiting kind of goes the way uh we think it will for the gators uh in in the coming months all the way up to december in february but there's a there's a there's a few trends here to, to like about this class will yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the 14 commits is a big deal because when you look at the last couple of years, Florida coming into really June, July, August has been relatively barren in terms of the number of commits that they've had. And then also those commits, especially two years ago, were I think their, their class average was somewhere around 87 points. So to have it at 90.6 coming out of coming out of March, I think is pretty significant. The other thing is, is that you know, when you're a team on the rise like Florida that maybe hasn't recruited the way that that teams have historically at Florida, one of the things that you do is you take on a bunch of guys, and some of those guys who are maybe borderline takes are might get pushed out of the class if you know two, three, four, five star guys decide to commit to Florida, especially if you have a good season this year. So I, I think there's some opportunity for for guys who are going to decide to go elsewhere because they feel like they'll get more playing time. And you know, Florida's not going to stop recruiting guys at some of the high level positions, and you know, a, a defensive tackle who's a, who's a three star may decide to go someplace else if they bring in a five-star guy so you know things are always fluid in march i think things get much more solid when you get towards august that's when you really want to be looking at these rankings for two reasons one is that um you've got a much better idea of what your class is going to look like but it's also because you have a much better idea of what your opponent's class is going to look like and so you you understand how to compare and certainly you look at ohio state and clemson and say hey they've jumped out significantly to the front, they're probably going to be hard to catch because, to be honest, Ohio State's ranking right now is right around where Florida finished last year. So, you know, it's going to be a a tall task to catch them, but teams like Georgia, teams like LSU, those are, you know, Georgia only has four commits, Tennessee has seven, LSU has four. So there's still an opportunity to to put some, to close the gap between those teams and, and Florida, and that's what Mullen's going to have to do. 
one spot will that uh, caught my eye I really like because what Florida was able to do last cycle is in the defensive trenches and getting another top end defensive lineman in Tyreek Sapp. You know, after getting Jervon Dexter, Johnny Brown, Princely Human Milan, Jalen Lee, Lamar Goods, you know, all ranked as top 361 players last cycle. They follow that up by getting a commitment with a top 100 player uh, in Tyreek Sapp. So, look, there's a great start right there in the defensive trenches, uh, but this defensive line can grow into something special this class as well. Uh, Five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, who, who brought his family along on his junior day visit earlier in March. Florida's battling Miami there right now. Um, Florida's in good shape uh, there for Taylor. Speaking of Miami, they have a four-star commit that Florida's heavily targeting as well from Miami Palmetto. Uh, defensive tackle Savion Collins has visited Florida and mentions how much he likes Florida. But early on, his mom prefers him to stay close to home with the hometown Hurricane. So Gators are in great shape if he was to flip anywhere else. And I know he's kind of uh, been on his mom about you know taking Florida more serious here. So we kinda, we, we'll see where that ends up going. The line of communication is there. Four-star defensive lineman Bryce Langston, a former Gators commit, just announced a top two of Florida and LSU over this weekend. Um, four-star uh, Tumis Adelie from IMG is another highly rated four-star, almost five-star that the Gators are in great shape for. He's visited twice, has a great relationship with the Gators staff, in particular David Turner. Look out for Ohio State in that one as well. Uh, you know, look, look, Will, there's a chance right there to get more elites on the defensive line, you know, have it built right behind that impressive haul from last cycle. That's how you build championship rosters. All of those targets rank in the top 300 and the Gators are in great shape in an area on the field that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I think I looked at top five offenses and top five defenses and what the recruiting classes had been, both on the offensive line at the skill positions and then on the defensive line and the skill positions, sort of the linebackers and the and the safeties and the corners. And what you found is that the offensive line recruiting didn't matter all that much to success, but the defensive line recruiting mattered an awful lot. And you, you end up with teams like Michigan and Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson up there in the top five all the time because they have the athletes on defense who can who can really make a difference. I think on the offensive side, that's a little bit less important. So last year's class for Mullen was heavily tilted towards the defense. I think that was probably the right thing to do because um, if you believe, like I do, that he's a skilled head coach and can get the most out of his team, you figure he's going to be able to get the points and he just needs the athletes on the defensive side of the ball. This class seems to be a little bit more balanced, but when you, you know, a lot of those prospects that you're listing off are guys who are defensive linemen and and defensive stalwarts that they're going to try to bring in. And you never say no to a five-star guy, obviously, but you, you want, if you had to, if you told me you need a five-star offensive line or a five-star defensive line, you can only have one, I'd tell you, you want to take the defensive guy. All right. So kind of mentioned earlier too, as well, you know, discussed uh, that Florida already has two wide receivers committed and in great shape to get one more with four-star Marcus Burke out of Trinity Christian here in Jacksonville. Gators put themselves in great shape here after junior day. Uh, he was looking to get on campus once more for the start of spring practice. Uh, his interest is very high in the Gators, but he also just announced a top five of Miami, Georgia Tech, Penn State, Georgia, and the Gators. And we'll kind of going back to a point that we uh, that you know I brought up to Nick uh, earlier in the conversation. Look, I mean, Marcus Burke, highly rated four-star wide receiver out of Jacksonville. And we, we've mentioned time and time again, it's getting back in the Gator-friendly areas under Dan Mullen. You've got Nick Elks, Elksness there, uh, the tight end commit from Jacksonville. 
And now, in you know, we got Travis Johnson from Bartle Trail last cycle in the Jacksonville area as well. And now Marcus Burke at Trinity Christian, a highly rated wide receiver in the Jacksonville area. I mean, it's time to get back in that Gator Finley area and get the top in the top end guys. Yeah, well, I mean, anybody who lives in Jacksonville, I don't want to come to Gainesville, right? It's a short, or it's a short ride. Um, you know, your your friends are all going to get to come see you. I, I'm not sure why you'd go out to Tallahassee or go down to Coral Gables if you had the opportunity to go to Gainesville if if Florida's good. And so, yeah, we've been talking for a couple of years now that that Florida needs to be able to draw essentially a circle around. a a radius around Gainesville and then build out from there. And Jacksonville is really the first major, (laughs) major city you run into when you do that. So, so it's a great sign to see those guys come in there, but you know, you mentioned just about everybody that they've got as, as commits in this class is either from Florida or from Georgia. And so again, the idea of that circle, they're not going out to California to get somebody. They're not going up to the DC metro area to bring somebody in. Certainly you'll go out to those locations if there's a special guy who wants to be a Gator, but you know, 90%, 95% of the class needs to be Georgia and Florida. And, and it looks like that's what they're doing this class. I mean, look, those two States right there to me are, are definitely top four in, in the country when it comes to talent. Like, I think Florida leads the way. Then you go, you know, Texas, California, but Georgia more than likely is that fourth state behind those three states of producing top end tough guys uh, there in in, in in the recruiting world. And Georgia's really that the state of Georgia's really shot up uh, there in, in recent years. Part of it's because you know they pay their head coaches really well. <laughs> uh, that uh, we you know, I know Channel Four WJC where I work at, we did a story on you know why some of these Florida coaches you know the, who Florida head coaches who don't get paid as much you know, why they're leaving you know to go to the state. Georgia and it's a lot of control and they get they get paid a good bit so they're getting a lot of good coaches who develop good talent in the state of Georgia yeah I mean certainly high school football in the south obviously is is big business and and it's been that way in Florida for a while but Georgia Georgia's just right behind and and especially when you talk about southern Georgia where it's almost Florida um, you know there's there's quite a bit of talent in that region and and Florida's going to have to be able to exploit it especially because they have to they have to fight with Florida State and Miami within the state and then now you've got Clemson and Alabama and Georgia coming down into the state to try to poach guys as well so being able to go back into that region and poach some people away from Kirby Smart is an important thing for Mullen to be able to make sure that he's on equal footing. So um, it's it's good to see, but certainly you know guys like Trevante Rucker who are from Ocala, like that's not a guy you can lose. You have mm-hmm. to like if you've got a highly skilled wide receiver, so he's 154th nationally, and he's in Ocala, I mean he's right in your backyard. You have to bring that guy in, and they're starting to do that. All right, so a couple uh, quick names here before we wrap up recruiting four-star safety Amari Harvey. Um, Gators were seemed to be the outright front runner recently, but he is out from you know West Florida, close to Tallahassee. He's got family in his ear. Uh, I think I'm trying to maybe push him to the FSU side of things. He visited Florida State not long ago, uh, and a lot of people uh, are kind of now torn on you know, Florida, Florida State there uh, for, for Harvey. Uh, there he's even got a crystal ball on the 24/7 site after his FSU visit uh, log for the Seminoles. So we'll see uh, where, where that one goes. Uh, I think that's going to be a battle between Florida and Florida State uh, in the end. 
five-star cornerback Jason Marshall. He had a junior day visit as well, brought his family. Gators trending well here lately as he's visited Florida more than anywhere else. And, you know, that has to help with the way recruiting is going right now uh, with the coronavirus going around. So all those guys on the junior day visit, bringing their families in and visiting Florida a lot, you have to kind of like where that one's leaning. And then four-star safety Corey Collier. Now, one Florida needs to get Will. He's a target. And a highly rated target, and even more so, you know, after the Gators missed out on Devonte Williams last cycle, they need some talented depth there at that safety position. So this sets up well for Florida. He's out of that Miami Palmetto group, and uh, the Gators are battling Clemson early here. Yeah, I think there are two places where you kind of figure Florida needs to hit pretty big in this cycle. Once at safety, and then the others at running back. And mm-hmm. and you know they've been able to bring in some transfers to fill some holes at running back. Obviously, before that they were bringing in transfers to fill holes at wide receiver and defensive end. But you know you're not going to be able to do that forever. And so um, you know they really haven't brought in a, a high high. Le- they didn't bring in a high level running back this past cycle. And two cycles ago they only brought in one. And so they're going to. They're going to have to to address that at some point, and like you said, missing out on Williams. I think everybody sort of thought he was in the bag, and I and I I, I do wonder whether um, it'll be interesting to see how aggressively they go after multiple safeties this cycle to make sure that they get one, because um, you know they they do need to fill that gap. All right, before we wrap up here, let's uh, Willis hit on uh, your site at readandreaction.com and. Uh, where you released an article uh, over the weekend uh, on Sunday, I believe it was, and you know you hit on why you know Florida may not miss last year's group of senior wide receivers as much as we think. Uh, not to you know not to take away anything from those guys, but Florida had a large, large group of contributors at wide receiver, and we're looking at guys at Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Tony, throw Kyle Pitts in there as well. You know to to make up for what Florida lost last year. Yeah, it was interesting. I sort of looked back at what LSU had done a little bit and then Georgia over the last couple of years as well. I mean, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna replicate what Jamar Chase did where he had twenty-eight explosive plays on 122 targets. But you know, Florida's Florida's offense last year was reasonably explosive. It wasn't like crazy explosive. And I think a lot of people have attributed that to Kyle Trask, but you know, I look back at 2018 and you didn't really see a huge difference between Trask and Franks. And so, um, you know, the question is, are the guys coming up? So Tony Pitts, Copeland and Grimes more explosive than Jefferson Hammond, Swain and Cleveland. I think there's a reason to believe they might be. And so, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to replace those guys leadership. I'm not saying that they're going to be able to replace those guys consistency, but you can envision a scenario where if Kadarius Tony can stay healthy, he can be more ex- more explosive than than Josh Hammond, right? So um, it's just a very different situation than Georgia, who because of the suspension for JJ Holloway and the dismissal of, of JJ Holloway, wound up having to replace everybody, right? So they went from Hardman, Ridley, Holloway, and Godwin being their top four receivers to Pickens, Cager, Robertson, and Simmons, and. Pickens and Cager actually did a pretty good job Mm -hmm. in terms of generating explosive plays. The issue was that Robertson and Simmons did not. So when they had to replace all four guys, two of the four guys just weren't really capable of pulling their weight when it came to being explosive. Whereas Florida, I think has people sort of waiting in the wings to be able to do that. Who've already proven the ability to do that, which means you only need a guy, you know, one guy to step up. So if Xavier Henderson comes in and he plays really, really well, if Jamarcus Weston plays really, really well, then you've got, 
that one guy you need to sort of step in instead of having to rely on all four guys sort of stepping in brand new and being outstanding. So I think Florida's in a decent situation with their wide receiver stepping in and, and, um, you know, I, I went and looked at different stats that looked at both explosive plays, but also target depths. So I'm going to be writing in the next week or so about um, Trask versus Franks and sort of what to expect in 2020 because of what we can see from how Mullen called plays in those in 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 those two years. All right, well, the the stat I'm going to leave everybody with so they can go read the article. Uh, is, you know, Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland, Van Jefferson. Those are the four wide receivers we're mostly talking about here. Uh, and the stat that you put in the article, you know, those four accounted for 44% of the Gators receptions, 48% of the receiving yards, 49% of the receiving touchdowns there. You know, it's not throwing LaMichael Piran in, the, in that as well. But, Will, you know, what that does tell me is, you know, there's about a 50-50 split, or, you know, close to a 50-50 split of the guys that are leaving and the guys that are returning. Yeah, well, I mean, even if you look at explosive plays, so Jefferson, Hammond, Swain, and Cleveland accounted for 27 explosive plays on 193 targets. Tony, Pitts, Copeland, and Grimes had 24 explosive plays on 173 targets. So you mentioned 50-50. They were basically targeted equivalently and produced pretty close to equivalently as well. So I think it's a good sign um, going into going into 2020 that, that those guys have the ability to perform like the seniors. Obviously, the depth maybe is a little bit of a concern. An injury or two could really change things, but that's sort of the case at one position grouping or another every year going in. There are very few teams that are loaded enough to where – you know, if they get two or three injuries in one particular place where they can survive it, I think Florida's sort of the same play in in, in the same place at wide receiver. All right, so everybody, you can go read that at readandreaction.com. Uh, get get some get get feeling good uh, about the Florida Gator receiving core uh, and what we can look forward to in this uh, 2020 season. Will man, anything else? Nah, man, just appreciate everybody listening to us, and and hopefully we're giving everybody a little bit of a respite, or or at least giving them some content while they're sitting at home, not not able to go to work, or uh, or working from home. And I mean, you know, working from home in quotes <laughs> is usually the way that works. So uh, certainly reach out to us. We have we'd love to hear what you want to. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear what people would like us to take a look at. You know, it's it's a little bit of a downtime with nothing happening on a daily basis. Usually there's all sorts of stuff going on in Gator Nation, but right now there can't be because of the situation. So um, certainly if people have any ideas, send them our way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely there. To kind of follow up with Will there, we've kind of been discussing behind the scenes. Uh, I think one thing I want to do, Will, is we'll, you know, we can take a look back at the 96, 2006, 2008 seasons, uh, kind of get our uh, initial, you know, our go back and look at those uh, seasons and, and important games and maybe our favorite memories from that season as we kind of adventure through those seasons uh, together and maybe even uh, go and kind of do a, maybe maybe some kind of watch party or, or, or a watch of you know important games throughout Gator history uh, that we like so much and, and can go back and like I remember going back and kind of listening to uh, I, don't, I don't watch pro wrestling anymore but I've went back and listened to the podcast of when I did watch wrestling of the, of the 90s and they'll go back and they'll uh, They'll watch an old WCW Nitro on a Monday night, and, and they'll give kind of their behind-the-scenes look and and their thoughts of what was happening in that episode. So maybe that's something we can do uh, for you know our, our 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 Peyton Manning never beating Florida or our, uh, our the 2002 Georgia game, and you know Florida Florida had no business winning that game, but ended up uh, winning that game. And some of our you know just some of our favorite games uh, and some of the big games throughout Gator history, we can kind of go back and review a bit. 
Yeah, man, it sounds good. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things all of us are sort of looking for is sports is a nice respite from life in general, and that's been taken away for a little while. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's It's been a while since I've checked out some of those games. And, you know, there's always – you always remember the big plays that happen in those games, but there's always sort of the hidden play that leads to the big play or the thing that you didn't remember that, oh, yeah, that was really a key. And, and that's always sort of fun to go back and rediscover. All right, that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles, S-E-C, and on his site, readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.